Welcome to Behind the Tin, a podcast that introduces you to the heroic men and women who wear the tin while protecting our community and hearing about the extraordinary things they're doing when their badge is in their locker. I'm Stephen J., the good lieutenant, along with Justin, the civilian producer. Greetings, my good friend. Today's episode is brought to you by Verify Home Inspections. Verify Home Inspection for all your personal inspection needs. Professional inspection services for buyers, sellers, renters, agents, and homeowners. For more information, visit verifyhomeinspection-ny.com. Also brought to you by thoseguysprint.com. Those guys for all your custom apparel needs. Visit thoseguysprint.com. Today's Cocktail Over Conversation is sponsored by Dave Q. Dave Q of Somers, New York. Thank you. Today, Justin and I are going to indulge some blonde ale from the Hyde Park Brewery. Ooh, it's my favorite. Absolute favorite. Dave Q, thank you so much. If you want to sponsor Cocktails Over Conversation, visit BehindTheTin.com and follow the links. Justin, today we have a guy that I've known for a super long time, high-energy guy that has just followed his childhood dream and became a firefighter. Wow. J.J. Johnson is the epitome of high energy, drive, helpfulness, leadership, a guy that just wants to help everyone he can. And he has taken some knowledge that he's gained in his fire career, turned it into a business. But it's really interesting stuff because it's such a niche that I didn't even realize what it was until I read his bio. Wow. I can't wait to get into it and find out what this is all about. So... I think he's going to have some interesting stuff that you're going to be interested in with some cars, because you're the car guy I here. I love cars, yeah. So let's uh, let's get JJ on the, on the line here. Okay, we're here with JJ Johnson, a good friend of mine from long ago. JJ, how you doing today, buddy? Man, fantastic, brother, as always. You know me. So, JJ, you're a firefighter driver down in Durham, North Carolina, correct? How long you been a firefighter in North Carolina, Jay? Uh, since September 9th, 2001. So, it's quite some time. What, uh, what brought you to becoming a firefighter in North Carolina? I know your, your history's in New York, but yeah, you're down there now. Yeah, history in New York. So, when uh, the wife and I were back here visiting my brother and my sister uh, for my mom's birthday back... Uh, in 2001 or 2000, the wife wanted to decide to move back here instead of coming back to New York or back to New Hampshire, where we're from. She didn't want to, She didn't want any more winter. So it was easier to get hired down here than it is up there. I mean, I got hired right away. Uh, everywhere I went between Durham, Durham County and, and Cary, I got hired right on the first go around. So uh, it's been nice. It's been a good ride. Now, you're a guy that started in the volunteer firefighting world. Uh, how old were you when you started that? Quite young, I would, I would imagine. Yeah, it's January 14th, 1980. I was 16 years old. 1980. Uh, I don't think Justin, the good producer, was even alive yet. In September of 1980, I was. Okay. So, so we're talking some years here and your experience. Now, for the, the young kids, especially to listen to this, they're always listening for tips on how to get to where you are and other, ple- and other people are. Uh, Volunteer firefighting and the training you got there helped you get that job down in North Carolina? It did. It, it, uh, I'll be honest with you. You know, they talk about in the fire service, one thing that I really despise and big reason why I became an instructor, and we'll get to that too. But um, I think if you've got some kind of background in the fire service on what we do as a volunteer as well as career, there really is no difference except for one gets paid to do this job and the other one 
trains, sometimes the volunteers train harder than the paid guys, but fires, fire apparatus, trucks, fire gear, everything's the same. Yeah. I mean, I I met you probably back in 1994 per se, I think it was where, uh, when I was, I call it playing fireman because when you do something for fun and you love to do it, uh, that's playful for me. And, uh, but I do know that the training and the hours that go into it and the calls, the, the calls, there's no difference. There's no car accident yeah. that says, hey, we can only be in an area with a paid fire department versus a volunteer fire department. The incidents are the exact same. The training's got to yeah. be the exact same. Uh, right. And, and I, I'm with you. I admire those guys and girls that are out there, volunteer, paid, what have you, that are still risking their lives uh, to protect the civilians that they serve in their communities. So, to me, it's admirable no matter what. So you, you went down to North Carolina, became a firefighter, and now you're a firefighter driver. What's the steps to, to that? Is it just driving the rigs more often? So, Is it a so, promotion? Yeah, so everything's a promotional process. Mostly in the fire department, you come in as a probationary firefighter. You go through anywhere between a, if you're a lateral like we have here in our department, you can, uh, you can go through about four to six weeks, learn how to do things in our department and or if you go to some of the other big career departments like mine, too, and you have no fire skills, um, but you have background in volunteering, they're going to put you through anything between the 22 and the 26 week academy. And then, you know, so you'll start as a firefighter. And then within two or three years, we have a, a marketing. Most departments have it, you know, within two to four years, you can move up to an assistant driver or driver here and then. After four years as a driver, you can test for captain. Everything's a promotional test. So I'm in a promotional promoter position as a driver. Uh, next year, I can test for captain. So there's a position called assistant driver? Yeah. So assistant drivers are classified as either a master driver or a first class driver or what we call here in Durham, a relief driver. Okay. You said assistant driver. I thought it was somebody like assisted in driving, like, hey, hold the wheel for a second. No, I got to answer yeah. my cell phone. Well, it's it's so in my position, I can ride as an acting captain. So if I get bumped over to ride the seat as a captain, then the assistant driver moves up to drive. That's what he mean by relief driver, assistant driver. Uh, gotcha. Gotcha. So you're down there. You're doing your thing. You become an instructor eventually. How long did it take you to become an instructor down in North Carolina? Man, I got pushed into it by a guy named Wayne Sherrard, who's from uh, from Orange County, New York. Um, he was a volunteer up there, and he was on a job down here as a uh, captain, as a fire fire marshal. We worked part time together, at a department called Apex, and he pushed me in 2006 to go get my instructor. And uh, he told me, "You got a lot to offer. You're, you you've been around. You know some things. You should become an instructor." So, in 2006, March. Fifth, I passed the state exam and became a uh, North Carolina level two fire instructor. So there's level one, level two, and level three. So I've been a level two since 2006. That's awesome. Being able to take some of the knowledge you've learned in your, uh, well, almost 40 years of service now and uh, bring that to the, the younger guys. And throughout the country now, you're, you've started fully involved training LLC. And I know that you have a couple started, specialties. That company in 2000. Yeah, I started that company in 2011 and went through a, a, a falling out with, you know, I, I left the, the fire service for about a year and a half and started my own fire training company with all my technical rescue training and everything. Um, 
I'm very blessed to get hooked up with a guy named Ron Moore, who's a retired battalion chief from Syracuse, which I met Ron in 1984 doing extrication. And um, he was able to help me get uh, my um, a teaching for alternative fuels, which includes um, which includes you know hybrid electric vehicles, electric vehicles. And in the past uh, four or five years, he's now made me uh, eligible to teach compressed natural gas and um, and uh, you know the the alternative fuels with that. So I've been blessed to be able to do that on top of technical rescue training I do here. So in your your 40 years experience, there's got to be a lot of memorable calls, good and bad. What's one that really sticks out to you, like where your training kicked in and you were, you were able to really step it up and, and perform? Uh, it's, it's funny you ask that question. Uh, Debbie Manfreda, she's, uh, she still lives in the Poughkeepsie, New York area. She was in a bad wreck on Route 9 by the Nine Mall. Um, we cut her out. Being that I've known her, you know, my whole junior high and high school, uh, after we extricated her, I jumped in the back of the ambulance and rode to the hospital and stayed with her the whole time until her parents and her sister got there. And uh, when I went to her father's funeral two years ago, um, the mother and the sisters and Debbie showed up and they thanked me for that. That's got to be an amazing feeling. Yeah. Not, not often you actually get to meet your your uh, your patients after the fact, right? Well, you know, being where we, you know, Riv coming from where we come from, we know everybody up there. So we respond to a lot of our friends. So it was pretty, it was pretty, uh, pretty cool after all these years to have her walk up and hug you and kiss you. That, that's amazing. So, wow. you, so you're down there, you're doing your thing with the training. Um, now, to me, when, when I go out and I train other guys, uh, every once in a while, somebody steps it up and really surprises you uh, about how much they've captured what you're you're throwing out there. Give me give me some examples of just that proud moment you've had uh, being an instructor. Oh God, is there's a bunch right now. Um, there's a fire department called Metal Fire Department in Johnson County where they have had me come back several times and train through through my company to teach. The extrication part, like they're really big on the extrication, um, search and rescue, the writ stuff, you know, things to pick up. They really, I put a video out with the chief of West Johnson Fire Department in Johnson County on airbag stabilization, on changing geometry and how to put an airbag underneath all these new vehicles that we have with uh, rocker panel supports. So there's been numerous people walk up to me and tell me between uh, artery and smoke how to identify smoke and fire and how to cut somebody out of a car, how to stabilize a vehicle. I've had numerous people call me. And uh, another big one is the CPR. Uh, I am a trainer trainer for uh, not just North Carolina, but the 50 states on CPR first aid. I've had people call me and tell me that the CPR that I've taught them helped save somebody else's life. That's amazing. I mean, really, really just... Kudos to you for being out there and training. But what sets you apart from all the other firefighters and all the instructors that get you the opportunity to go to other states and other fire departments and teach us? Why are they calling you? What really do you think separates you? Um, I, I've got a really great personality like you. You know, I've, I've hung around. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're on a Zoom call, Jay. You don't have to kiss my ass. No, no, but brother, believe me. Believe me. I, you know me. 
I'm going to tell you the truth. I, I don't, I, I'm a straight shooter. You know, I don't do that, but that's, that's the positive. I, I, you know, you still give that back to me when I come up and visit with you, you know, we always trying to make a time to see each other and that tells you something. So Pat Calmary, who was one of the dispatchers found out what I was doing with the compressed natural gas. Um, also Anthony Marquez, who used to be the chief of New Hackensack, he seen what I was doing with the extrication. Um, Wes Hall, who was the chief of roundabout at one point, um, they were all looking for something different, something new. I had something to offer them. They knew who I was. I had a lot of respect from being up there for 27 years. And uh, they took a gamble on me and brought me in, and it really took off. Uh, the alternative fuel class as well as the advanced extrication classes. So that's put me, uh, um, you know, traveling through Pat Calmary again. Set me up to go to Louisiana twice. So what you're telling wow. me is that network is your net worth when it comes to those things. That network you've set yeah. up throughout your entire career. Yeah. Yep. What are so, what are uh, some of what what are some of the unique challenges of the alternative fuels like uh, an electric car? You mentioned natural gas. Uh, how does that play into things? You know, if you if I'm I'm a pedestrian, I'm riding down the street. I see someone crash in front of me. I call nine one one. Uh, I don't know. You guys coming on probably don't know right away what, what the situation is. How does that play out? So most of the dispatchers around the area now are supposed to be asking questions of what types of vehicles are involved. Is it is it a alternative vehicle? Is it? And a lot of people don't know. They don't know if it's an right. HEV or, or CNG. Um, the stuff we call that I teach a lot of people's had to it's called badging. So the rear of the vehicle will say electric vehicle or HEV or would have uh, a CNG sticker on it, you know, so a lot of people aren't looking at that, but that's what the dispatchers and that's what us as fire department, when we do our windshield size up, we're trying to identify the vehicles that are involved and are these vehicles alternative fuels because that changes the game um, when it comes to either extrication of vehicles being on fire. What's what's a like? What's a specific example of why uh, uh, a Tesla in an accident would be different than a, a traditional gas vehicle? So a Tesla doesn't have a motor. The whole bottom part of the Tesla on every Tesla vehicle is the 400 volt battery that runs the vehicle. But on every Tesla, it has 440 inverter converter that on the older models they sit on the passenger side a post. So when you're cutting with tools, you have a chance of cutting into that 440 inverter converter, and that will kill the firefighter instantaneously. So oh, wow. in 2018, okay. yeah. Tesla moved all the S model inverter converters to the middle between where we call the um, firewall on most vehicles. So now they put them in there so that we, the, fire, the first responders won't ever have to worry about touching those inverter converters. Do you think that's getting, it from a direct uh, response from the fire service and saying, hey, yeah, you know, we're trying to rescue yeah. guys and this is going to kill us? Yeah, Tesla Tesla's is one of the major manufacturers that um, I have to tell people that when it comes to being fire safe, if the fire department feels that there's something that they could do better with their vehicles, they're going to do it to make it safe, not just for the people buying the cars, but for the first responders out there learning on how to operate with those vehicles. Uh, in those in those predicaments, yeah, I would have never wow. thought of that. I would have never thought to yeah. say don't don't cut through the a post because you might electrocute yourself when you're so focused on extricating someone and, and rescuing yeah, so saving someone's life. 
Yeah, so that that the only time you're cutting the A post down low like that is when you're doing a dash roll or dash jack. But those are, you know, and the other thing about the Tesla, Justin, is that the Teslas don't have an engine. So the front area is called the frunking area. So that's an extra storage area. But that also has uh, unique boron steel in a lot of these vehicles for when it does come to cutting these vehicles. So that's another big one that a lot of the departments are learning reason why fire departments are having to change their extrication equipment around to be able to cut the boron steel. Is that, that's just a heavier duty metal? Yes, sir. It's, it's, it's like a metal that's wrapped seven different times and then reinforced. And so with that reinforcement, it's, it's protecting the occupant inside the vehicle so that at a frontal or side impact, the occupants are walking away from any, even a rollover. The occupants are pretty much walking away. Wow. So what you're yep. saying is the firewall is the boron protecting the people from the junk in the frunk. So the, bor- the <laughs> boron- I'm just making sure I'm paying attention to everything here. The I boron so protects the, bor- the frunk that has the junk. So the, so the boron steel is all wrapped around the A-post. And yes, it will protect the frunk and the junk in the trunk. Very, Come very, on. very nice. I love it. So you're dealing with, you know, we're dealing with electric vehicles, uh, the CNG, uh, the vehicles now, a lot of buses I see that are they're running off the gas. Uh, what, what poses an issue with those now, completely different than electric and gasoline vehicles? So the great thing about with you guys up in New York State, and in New York, Arlington School District, and now Wapinger School District is running uh, LNG, which is, which is you know, uh, propane. So the, this propane to me is safer than the CNG, which is compressed natural gas, which we run a lot of that here in the South. So propane is much safer um, when in, in causing a wreck. Uh, a lot of the fluids run back in the tank. The tanks will shear off. Um, they, will, they will do a better protection than the compressed natural gas. Compressed natural gas takes about anywhere from 38 to 42 seconds to run back from the motor back into the tanks. Um, and then the tanks are different areas where your LNG tanks are, you know, they're located under the bus. A lot of people don't know it and they're not having to be placard. So you run into what we call the NFPA 704 placard, which a lot of these vehicles don't have to comply with that, but they do it just for the first responders. Right. So it is a scary situation that you, you can theorize, especially in a bad crash, you might not be able to make any of these identifications as you approach the, the scene. That, that is correct. That's why part of teaching the alternative fuel class is, is what we, like I said, there's, we do five types of badging. Um, the thing with way we have it down here with Waste Industries, Waste Industries badges the front of their trucks. They will give a, a number and then after the number, it will have a letter saying C, meaning compressed natural gas, or we'll have a letter D, meaning diesel. So wow. they, have, okay. they have taken it a step further. They badge the rear of their vehicles. They badge the side of the driver's, the driver's side, and they badge the front bumper. I'm just throwing it out there. Isn't this something where the Department of Motor Vehicle in any given state could maybe require that on the plate for first responders so they can immediately identify this? So I'll give you a little history on the Department of Motor Vehicles. So when we talk about HEVs, electric, hybrid electric or electric vehicles, um, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, when electric vehicles are starting to come out, 
Ron Moore and a bunch of people went to the motor industries and they wanted them to make the thick cable that we're not supposed to cut on HEVs and EVs to make a DOT orange. And Volvo, Mercedes, BMWs argued that they're building cars for people and that the people see that DOT orange under their hood, that might deter them from wanting to buy the vehicle. So they allow them to use white, blue, black, green, and DOT orange, and sometimes red as their high voltage lines so that it wouldn't deter somebody to not buy the vehicle. So no DOT will not help regulate that because the motor industry has more money than the DOT. Wow. So that's the part of why educating people on HEVs and EVs and the CNG is, is a big, is a big thing that has taken off with me in the last seven years. I've been teaching that uh, pretty heavenly because we are under the impression that uh, we're, we're safe out here and we're really not. Yeah. I mean, just in the mere fact that you said Tesla from one year to the other changed that and where, you know, that energy is located for the firefighters to know that is, is huge. What other quick tips could you give? Maybe the, the firefighters never had your class to keep him safe today. What would you give them? So there's apps out there on his vehicles to locate if the vehicle has a 12 volt system, 12 volt systems compared to the, you know, you know where your batteries are located and which one to disconnect first, the negative or the positive. One thing I learned from Chip Polaro working in Central Hudson, you always DC your AC power. So you always take off the negative before you take off the positive and you always put the positive on before you put the negative on when recharging. Great tip. I hope uh, somebody hears that and uh, remembers that when they, they come up on an incident. It almost seems like the internet and, and the apps are an essential part of your service now. Yes, sir. To be able to have that instantaneous look up that encyclopedia in your fingertips, you know, just to, to come on a crash, if it was a Tesla, a Ford, and a, a bus, I mean, you'd be dealing with three different types of vehicles um, that you'd have to deal with, and each one would be very, very different, and probably I imagine need different tools for each one, right? That is that is correct, and and that's what that's what you try to you know help equip the, the firefighters of yesterday and the firefighters of today of the differences out there, you know, and uh, I can tell you about three or four years ago, my captain I'm with now. I did a class just in a park a lot on an ATV and an EV sitting down in the park a lot. And five hours later, we were on wreck, which happened to be an EV. Um, EVs are very silent. ATVs are very silent vehicles. You don't hear the motor running. Um, another big one that uh, the Chevy Volt did, uh, Chevy Volt, if you release the hood, it has a generator motor. But if you release the hood, it automatically revs up the generator motor to let you know that the vehicle is on. Uh, we talk about illumination, HEV and EVs, but how do we know the vehicle is still running if we can't? You know, two o'clock in the afternoon, a lot of people aren't looking to see if the interior of the car is illuminated. Well, Jay, you 21-year-old self, if you could talk to him and give him some advice or somebody that's 21 today who wants to be where you're at, what would you tell him? I would tell him to eyes open. You know, um, speak less, learn a lot, you know, be like a sponge and, and, and have a trade. You know, the, the one thing I'm learning with the fire service now is that a lot of people come into fire service and have a trade. You know, I had heavy equipment operator. So, you know, so I was a truck driver, heavy equipment operator. So 
I had a trade when I came into the fire service. And Jay, the one thing we ask everybody is, how do you define a hero? A hero, heroes is somebody who does something. It's almost like integrity. You you do it because you know it's the right thing to do, and you don't look for the accolade afterwards. You you do it because it it'll make a difference, not only in your life but somebody else's life. Well, Jay, your forty okay. plus years of experience in the fire service plus your teaching, I think you're a hero. I appreciate what you've done and what you continue to do for not only your community down in North Carolina, but for the fire service throughout the United States. And just giving those couple tips here today, you know, I, I know for a fact is going to make a difference somewhere. So thank you, my I friend. Appreciate- thank you, my friend. Yeah, I'm going to echo that, JJ. It's an honor meeting you. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate this. You know, I appreciate you guys, you know, doing what you're doing. Please let me listen to, you know, hook me up with all the other podcasts you're doing so I can follow them. Um, it's it's all about the brotherhood and sisterhood and taking care of each other and making sure not just as fire, police and EMS, you know, the first responders. It's a first responder, meaning we're all a family. Well said, my man. Stay safe and we'll talk to you soon. God bless, brothers. Justin, the civilian producer, once again, a guy comes in and just astonishes me with his knowledge, his enthusiasm, uh, what he had to share with us. Yeah, I always think that uh, I'm, I'm going to learn something about law enforcement or fire safety, but yet I learn these wild things that are so cool, like the, the, the discussion of the Tesla. Funk? And, yeah, I mean, it's just the, the boron steel and the fact that- What are you that, calling a boron? Yeah. <laughs> It, it's just cool. It's really cool. And I, I appreciated uh, hearing that from him. Just an amazing uh, way that he can train and pass this knowledge along uh, throughout the country. If anybody wants more information uh, on JJ and about his business, you can visit fullyinvolvedtraining.com or you give call, give him a call. Uh, 919-524-3935. Uh, he is absolutely willing to go out uh, and train. Just give him a call. Make out the arrangements, whatever his fee is. 100% worth it, I think. Yeah, I, I think this episode really highlighted how important just some very, very small tips can really be for the safety of people out there trying to help people in car accidents. Yeah, I, I had no idea that there's power in the A-pillar of a Tesla pre-2018. Yeah. Crazy wild. stuff. Wild. Once again, thank you for listening to Behind the Tin and hearing about how our heroes are heroes not only with the badge on, but the badge off. If you like what you're hearing, please follow, like, share, subscribe to us at BehindTheTin.com. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Become one of our sponsors for Cocktails Over Conversation. Keep Justin well hydrated. Yeah, and, and share with a friend. You know, if you're, you're probably listening to this in your car, you're by yourself, but when you get home tonight, you're hanging out with your buddies, you're having some beers, say, hey, check out this new podcast. It's pretty good. I hope that's what you think. Leave us some reviews if it is, or even if it's not. We read every single review. We take them to heart. We are open to criticism. If you know somebody that should be on our show, send us an email at behindthetim at gmail.com. So guys, thank you once again. Look out for each other and stay safe.